The epistle is written in the 42nd chapter of the book of Isaiah, beginning at the uh, first verse, and you can find this on page 727 of the Church Bibles, page 727. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout out or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and the light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. The Holy Gospel is written in the third chapter Uh, of the Gospel according to St. Matthew, beginning at the third verse. And this is on page 967 of the Church Bibles, page 967. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers!' Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I will tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. 
But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Friends, do please be seated. Many uh, streams of the biblical story converge and uh, reach their climax in the baptism of Jesus in the River Jordan. Uh, For those soaked in the Old Testament, uh, as uh, many, uh, if not most, of the Jews in that day were, uh, for those seeking its fulfillment and for those with the eyes to see it, the baptism of Jesus was the dawning of the long-hoped-for new age, Uh, the dawning of uh, the coming of God, both to represent and renew his people and also to directly re-establish his rule. For in the baptism of Christ, we see God come both as our representative and as our ruler. So first, let's meditate on that truth that he comes as our representative Matthew uh, chapter 3, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. When um, Mary and Joseph fled to uh, Egypt to preserve Jesus from Herod's slaughter of the innocents, Uh, It was in order, says Matthew, back in chapter 2, to fulfill the words of the prophet Hosea, out of Egypt I have called my son. And Hosea himself was making reference to Exodus chapter 4. You remember God's people uh, back in Exodus are enslaved uh, in uh, Egypt by Pharaoh. And God says to Pharaoh through Moses, Oh, he says to Moses, say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, that he may worship me. In other words, Matthew understands Jesus to be God's son as once Israel was. Or to put it another way, he understands Jesus to be now the true Israel, her summation her representative. Just as Israel was called out of Egypt, so too Jesus must be called out of Egypt. Notice that just as Israel was led through the waters of the Red Sea into the wilderness to be tested for 40 years, so immediately after his baptism, Jesus is led into the wilderness 
to be tempted for 40 days. But where Israel fails in her tempting, Jesus succeeds. He does not succumb to the devil's temptations, but remains faithful. With this son, God is and will remain well pleased. Jesus, of course, understands all this too, hence his words to John the Baptist. He must be baptized if he is to be a son like Israel, if he is to identify with her, if he is to represent her. His baptism is an act of solidarity. He comes then as a representative. He comes to be the perfectly obedient Israel who rightly inherits all the promises of God that were made to or promised to an obedient Israel. And he does that in our place and on our behalf. He comes to be the perfect bearer of the sins of Israel, uh, the one who rightly absorbs the judicial penalty for that sin. Again, it is done in our place and on our behalf. And he's a representative who remains with us and stands for us now before the Father. Jesus ascends to his Father as a baptized man. He does not cast off his human flesh, and he does not cast off his human followers. He is with us to the end of the age, he says, in solidarity. He represents us now and always, in a sense, as one of us before his heavenly Father. Here, then, is all our assurance. But he's not only a representative in solidarity with us, he's also a ruler who is sovereign over us. And so we read on. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The language of son not only refers to God's people in the Old Testament, but it finds particular focus as the title for the Davidic king, particularly the Davidic king who was to come and to restore Israel. So here is some famous words. Here are some famous words from Psalm 2. The psalmist, God says through the psalmist, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree He said to me, you are my son, today I have become your father. In other words, the baptism of Jesus is the public declaration by the father that Jesus is the longed-for and long-awaited Davidic king who will restore God's people and reestablish God's kingdom. And Isaiah 42, our first reading, is a beautiful picture of how he does that. He does it as the sovereign who serves. Isaiah 42, a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. To those who are bruised by captivity too, uh, the consequences of sin and to sin itself, uh, to those whose faith is faltering, to those whose hope for God's kingdom is flickering, To those, this sovereign servant comes and he will treat the fragile like valuable china. 
this servant king will come in the spirit of gentleness. To those conscious of sin and bruised by a broken world, he'll come with splints and props and soft bandages. He does not kick people when they are down. He does not trample the oppressed. He doesn't break bruised reeds. This we see in the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. He begins the process of restoring his people and reestablishing God's kingdom by calling to himself the bruised, the smoldering, the weary, and the burdened. Those who know they are out of step with God, with neighbor, and with themselves. Those who know they need deliverance. Those who know that the problems of the world do not lie exclusively out there somewhere, but begin in here, the human heart. Such people Jesus called and liberated as he forgave their sin, freeing them to follow God and filling them with his spirit to transform self-centered hearts into hearts that can love God and neighbor as they should. Those who can, in summary, begin to live the life of God's kingdom. Jesus began putting the world together again, one liberated person at a time, as he brought them into the life and light of his kingdom. And that is still the way he is changing the world, renewing his people, and reestablishing his kingdom, his just and his gentle rule. He does it one repentant person at a time. And this is the king of whom we are subjects, the one who stands always in solidarity with us, the one who serves us supremely in the laying down of his life for us, and now as he represents us before the Father and renews us in his image by his spirit. And may we enjoy him and in so glorify him forever. Amen.